everyone, welcome to the Desolation Sounds podcast. My name is Stephen Hook and this is a podcast celebrating everything to do within the world of alternative music, be that rock, punk, metal or extreme metal. Coming up with this week's show, I'll be discussing the latest music from the likes of Cancer Bats, there's new music from Rhapsody of Fire, Mark Morton's new solo project, and Dream Theatre. There's also album reviews from Hardcore, Mob, uh, Plagues, Rapcore Revivalist, Hyrule the Hero, another Hardcore Mob in Gulch, and the mighty Papa Roach. And of course, I'll also be answering the question that I posed on all the social medias last week, in which rock and metal bands have transitioned into pop well. Uh, but first, a little bit of news. So, there's actually... I don't know why I'm struggling to count. There's precisely two brand new bands opening up over this past week. Um, I guess you can consider them both supergroups. You've got Over It All, which consists of uh, Randy Blythe from Lamb of God, Javier Reyes from Animals Leaders, Lorenzo Antonucci from Sworn Enemy, Media Scare, found, Media Scare Records founder Baron Bodnar, which is a great name, and 33 and West booking agent JJ Cassier. I really hope I pronounced that last name right. There's not much known as of yet. When the Instagram post went up, it literally, in it, it even said, it's the first day we've been a band. We've been doing this for 24 whole hours. So pretty thin on the ground about what it's going to sound like or what they're going to go forward as. But I'm willing to put a large sum of money that they don't sound like Paramore. And the other band to look at is a band called Kill the Lights, which there is music from. They consist of uh, James Clark from Throw the Fight, Jordan Whalen from Still Remains, Travis Montgomery from Threat Signal, Davey Richmond from Glamour the Kill, and Moose from Bullet for My Valentine. Uh, they've got a new song, well, a debut song called The Faceless, and it's actually quite alright. Like, I looked at that lineup. And all the bands they'd been a part of. And, oh, should mention, Boost, formerly of Bullet For My Valentine. It just struck me as it was going to be a very bog-standard, quite, I don't want to say generic, but you know what you're getting, metalcore bands, based on those, like I said, the acts associated. It actually reminds me of if Every Time I Die had to had been asked to write an Iron Maiden song. There's loads of like guitar harmonies, especially like dueling ones as well, on the back of a very Keith Buckley-esque growl and I don't know the proper word, but like that soaring vocal he does. It's really interesting. I am I am very intrigued by what they do going forward. So yeah, animals and leaders, animals as leaders and Lemo God. Supergroup over it all, and former Book of My Valentine and Glamour of the Kill still remains, etc. Kill the Lights should be interesting going forward in the next year or so. Uh, Rob Caggiano, uh, currently of Volbeat and formerly of Anthrax, has said that he has left the damn things. Uh, during the appearance on the Jamie Jaster show, excuse me, um, he says he spoke hasn't spoken to those guys. I'll try that again. He hasn't spoken to those dudes in a bit. Uh, he then goes on to add that he has no idea who's actually in the band currently. So whilst it may be news that Kajiano isn't in the band anymore, it could be that no one's in the band anymore. Uh, the Damn Things is a band I go on about a lot. If you're unfamiliar with them, they are they consisted of uh, 
uh, Rob Cangiano at the time of Anthrax, now a Volbeat. Scott Ian from Anthrax. Uh, Keith Buckley from Every Time I Die. Josh Newton at the time from Every Time I Die. And Andy Herney and Josh Troman, both of, among other things, Fall Out Boy. And they are, well, the damn thing is the band that I keep petitioning Andy and Joe to go back to because everyone knows my opinions on Fall Out Boy at the moment. So. I feel like I've seen a poster recently that's got the damn things announced. I don't know if that was a fake or what, but I'd love to see a second album of that because they deserve so much more. And final bit of news is 2000 Trees has announced its first lot of bands. And holy shit, it sounds so good. Um, so starting from top, um, bottom to top, it is false advertising, frauds. Foxjaw, Sunshine Frisbee Laserbeam, fucking great name, uh, Spielberg's Lice, Indigo Low, Heavy Lungs, The Drew Thompson Foundation, Ground Culture, Imperial Leisure, Orchids, Nervous, I really like Nervous, and Loathe, they are like the, they don't get their own logos but they're still part of it so really good chance to find out new music out of those ones, I can recommend Nervous, like um, very current times thinking power pop alt rock sort of thing really really fun features it's m from milk teeth i think she sings there. i know she's definitely the guitarist but i'm pretty sure she sings in there as well so yeah m from milk teeth got her other band nervous and fox jaw is a like proggy metalcore band I, I think more towards the prog than the metalcore just a very angry sounding prog band who are doing like causing lots of stirs at the moment and i've heard of loathe i don't know why but i just feel like i've heard of loathe um from there you've got gouge way higher power mole single mothers uh munchy girls puppy martha the mighty milk teeth hands like calluses cave town comeback kid indoor pets estrons jamie lenman who apparently is gonna have like his own stage kind of thing like stage layout uh therapy Frank Era and the Future Violets, While She Sleeps, Every Time I Die, playing Hot Damned in full and scattered in some hits. And the first and first headline, I should say, has been announced and it's going to be You, Me at Six. You don't deserve it. What? And I think that's a fucking cracking lineup. Uh, Gouge Way are like a very hardcore influence emo band. Mole, I spoke about during the Arms of the Year list. Uh, post black metal very very aggressive post black metal puppy are another band who were doing a lot of ways a few years ago making a lot of ways a few years ago they've been quite quiet since i think they're stuck trying to get that next album out which well the i think a debut album i think they've only released an ep so far but they're ones to look out for milk teeth i can't go on about enough um like punky grunge sort of thing they're going more towards the grunge at the moment uh, comeback kids very very prominent hardcore band jamie lenman he does literally a bit of everything I compared him to the UK's version of Devon Townsend. Therapy, Alt Metal Legends, uh, Frank Era and the Future Violets. He formerly of My Chemical Romance. I think that's his new punk band. Or his new, what he's calling his new punk band. While She Sleeps, Every Time I Die, New Music, I feel like everyone knows by now. Metalcore, Hardcore, Shit. And yeah, I think that is a fucking cracking lineup. I'd love to go and see that. It's in Cheltenham, 11th, 12th and 13th of July. Don't know if tickets are available, but go online. I'm sure you could find it if you tried really, really hard enough. 
cool. So, moving on, we've got new music out as well. Counterparts have released the what they say is the only B-side to the Spark That Moves that was out last year. It's called Inside Out. Your very standard Counterpart song. Very fun, very good hardcore with like such a thine going all the way through it. I think they're, they're releasing it two different ways. Releasing it on their own, digitally. And I think they are doing like a split with Bleed From Within. Which is a really interesting like thing between those two. Uh, new song from Rhapsody of Fire. It's called Reign of Fury. It is it's part of their new album. I can't think what album it is. I think it might be number nine, number eight. Makes sense if it's eight because it's called The Eighth Mountain actually. But there we go. And that's out the 22nd of February. I am a massive mark for Rhapsody of Fire. And last few albums have been kind of all over the place. They had... So I got into them around the time of... Oh, fuck me. I released a lot of albums. It is, it is a 12th studio album coming up, The Eighth Mountain. So I sort of got into them around Symphony of the Enchanted Lands 2. That was in 2004. And stuck around for a Triumphal Agony and then Frozen Tears of Angels. And then from Chaos to Eternity, or from, from Chaos to Eternity, up into Into the Legend, it's been kind of... It's not as exciting as it was, which is a weird thing to say, considering this is very flamboyant, very energetic power metal. Um, but yeah, it's just... They've had a lot of lineup changes recently, so they added in uh, Dominic Leclerc, um, Lurkin, la left in 2011-ish. They had another guitarist called Tom Hess at the same time as they brought in um, Roddy McKayley to replace him. Now it's just Roddy. They had a new. This is the first album with a new lead vocalist. Yeah, it's just it's a bit all over the place. The song itself is it's a it's okay. Oddly enough, the Part of the band that's been like pretty set from day one is the keyboards. It's um, Alex Staropoli. And I think that might be the weakest part of the song. They, whereas before, the synth sounded basically that it has like a complete orchestra behind them at the press of a button. Now they do, in um, Rain of Fury, they do sound more like toned down, more like OG Casio keyboard sort of stuff, which is kind of. It's not, it didn't really sound all that great. The new vocalist though, uh, Giacomo Voli, I don't know what band he's in previously, but he's done, he's done a pretty good job. He's no Fabio Leone, but I think power metal is one of the few genres where, and it's happened before, I think of like Halloween and I think Blind Guardian have done it recently. You can have that new vocalist step in if Firewind have done it as well. And yeah, so um, I'll still be keeping an eye out for the Eighth Mountain, it's part of the new saga which I call the Nephilim's Empire, because it's power mail, we have to tell a story, but yeah. Be, be an interesting thing. I'm more, it sounds bad, I'm more interested. So the two main parts of um, Rhapsody of Fire, Luca Torelli, who was a guitarist, and Fabio Leone, who was their lead vocalist, They since now they've both left, they did a few bits here and there individually, and now they are going on to make a, another version of Rhapsody. And it's like getting Kickstarter funded. So Luca did it for a while. And now he's shut that off. And now it's Luca. I think it's Trilly Leone Rhapsody. I think it's what's called. Or some iteration of that. 
and I honestly think I'm more, more interested for that because those two writing together is very very good times. Um, next song is from Mark Morton's new project. He of Lamb of God. He's the guitarist. He's got a new solo project coming out or the solo album, I should say. It's called Anesthetic, which is spelt wrong. Um, the song's called Cross Off, and it's notable for a number of things. The album itself is coming out first um, of March. The song itself is interesting. It's got the rhythm section from Trivium, so that's Paolo Gragoletto and Alex Bent. And it's also featuring um, posthumous vocals from Chester Bennington of Linkin Park. And this song fucking rips. I really, really like this. Um, I'd honestly say this is my favourite Chester song since Given Up on Minutes to Midnight. And what was that? It was 2006? There, thereabouts? Um, he's got like a little bit of a rap verse in the second half of the song, which is okay. But his the pre-chorus bit just really, really gets me. And I really, really enjoy it. I'm really excited. I'm... It's sad because what was, but I'm really excited for what uh, Mark Morton does because he's a very, very good guitarist, very good musician, and he's friends with a lot of good people. So, got that to look forward to. And the final song is Dream Theatre. Their song is called Fall Into the Light and is part of Distance Over Time coming out also the 22nd of February. And it's, uh, to me, it sounds like every Dream Theatre album ever made. So, I am the wrong person to talk about Dream Theatre. Cool, so I'm going to move on to, last week I posted the question on various social medias at um, Desolation Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, etc. Not etc, it's just those three. I'm going to also take a quick beverage. Basically saying, which bands have transitioned from a very rock metal sound, um... That is very against the grain for the mainstream audience. And they've taken that sound and merged into pop really well. And it came from the fact we given a lot of bands flack recently. Especially to like the story so far, which I'm still not sure how they've done it yet. Beartooth, who I said, has like the most accessible hardcore album of recent years. The Shining, which I think have just completely stuffed it. And... Yeah, I kind of like went back and forth about if they have or haven't done it or what needs to be done. So I want to have a look at what bands have definitely done it. And the example I gave, and my ace in the hole, is Panic at the Disco. Uh, you go back to the debut album, A Phoebe Can't Sweat Out, it still remains a landmark release for modern day emo. They experimented to the very lengths of what emo could do they blended rock they blended pop they blended dance and blended punk they put everything in there together and really daft song titles aside they made what like people still consider like one of the best emo albums made of least of the like i guess second gen because the first one was a bunch of bands i don't know that much of so early wave jimmy world i want to say Band called Orchid. I don't know if they're screamo or emo, but like the '90s boom of first wave emo, that kind of thing, moved on to the likes of Panic at the Disco, etc., Fall Out Boy. They were good, and yeah. So I think from there, from after Panic at um, Panic at the Disco, from Feel That You Can't Sweat Out, they moved on to Pretty Odd, 
and it was a definite drop for me. A lot of people consider it their Beatles album because it was a lot more eclectic. They put a lot more psychedelic influences in there. And it was still when they were, as a band, so as a band, as a collective, they were experimenting with the sound and seeing what else could be done. Moved on to Vices and Virtues, and that sat, that was like a happy medium between the two. It was the first time, I think the... One of the members of the band had left in between Pretty Odd and Vices Virtue. So this meant that it was the first time Brendan Urie had was the principal songwriter for for an album, for a Panic album. And you can kind of tell, especially with songs like Mona Lisa Smile, that that was their start point to try and get into a bigger, more mainstream market. And of course that eventually led to Too Weird to Live, Too Rare to Die. And the lead single, Miss Jackson, is this huge flamboyant synth pop song and i look at it like looking back now i kind of see it as what was the demo album for panic at the disco 2.0 like first half of their career they were like this very forward thinking very interesting pop punk emo band and now they are this big like synthy pop still like little bits of rock in there but they're taking little bits of everywhere and that eventually led to death of a bachelor and then pray for the wicked they are two fantastic pop records but i think they especially with pray for the wicked it had bits of jazz and had like show tune sort of stuff because he's been doing broadway things recently and you can kind of see now it is more well everyone else has left it is a solo project for brendan and now that he has full creative control He's got such a great mind for this sort of thing and he knows what to tap into and knows like what kind of works together and what doesn't. And he's not afraid to take risks, like trying to blend things like jazz into even even jazz is still not quite a seen thing in modern mainstream well, modern any music to be honest. And for him to do that and make an album that was so well received and so fucking good he, he knows his shit now, and they have they are the band for me who've probably done it the best, moving from that alternative market for kids with big fringes and black eyeliner to now anyone and everyone can and does listen to Panic at the Disco. When I put this question out to the social medias, uh, the response I got more than anything else, which is one that I can't, that I semi agree with, is Bring Me the Horizon. Now, like I said, I was kind of hitting this because I was quite critical about about that idea. Then I remembered what, I guess, that quantifies what I was asking. And it's hard to find a contemporary music fan or just, like, your everyday person, especially, like, university age or, like, 20s, that kind of thing, who doesn't have or listen to regularly that's the spirit or any of the singles coming up from Amo, Amo, Amo. And from, the reason why I was quite critical is because that's the spirit and even the song, even the single so far from Amo, they're both quite hit and miss. But then, yeah, like I said, when you compare it to like Count Your Blessing, because it's a completely different band. 
Let's see, I count your blessings by what start. It count your blessings is an absolute no nonsense deathcore band. Like you look at, they played um, some of the songs from that album recently on um, one of the tours. I think it was Ollie's birthday. I don't know if it was like true or not, or just the meme people made, but they were starting the clips start coming out of people who went to the shows as that's the spirit fans listening to these songs and just getting fucking terrified because this is what bring the horizon started as and they like so uh count your blessings came out 2006 i think and this was a world full of suicide silences uh white chapels chelsea grins and looking at those kinds of bands bring the horizon at the time were not the standout band and if anything, the reason why so many people knew them at the time is because they were the punchline. Because Count Your Blessings is shit. It's not a very good album at all. And, like, there are... There's a few songs that kept them afloat. Um, so Pray For Plagues is still... I think it got um, measured as like the fourth most popular Bring Me song of their discography. Um, for Stevie White, for Stevie Wonder's eyes only, still gets a lot of airtime and still quite revered. I personally really like Black and Blue, so there were parts of the so parts of the album that kept them in in good stead. But overall, they, a lot of people kind of wrote him off immediately and just made fun of his hair, which he did have daft hair. But then they kind of took all that on board, and that's when Suicide Season came in. And you can hear immediately they moved away from that deathcore sound into a much more mature metalcore sounding act. And there was much more to be interested by. The song they did with Sam Carter was incredible. Um, Chelsea Smile is still like a very popular song in their discography. They were doing more, not necessarily to break into that market, uh, the mainstream market, but just doing more to become more like have better stead i can't think of the proper word i want to use but just look better amongst all their peers and the guitarist lee malia described it spot on around the time and he said suicide season was their make or break album and looking back now absolutely 100 is because that led to there is a hell believe me i've seen it there is a heaven let's keep it a secret a fucking amazing album not even the most diehard that's not metal. Greed kid can say that they were shit. Now they had to accept that Bring Me Horizon were like the shit. Everyone was talking about them for there as a hell. Like the um the oh, it's not a title track. Can't remember any of the song titles, but the just the singles. If people just looked at them on the on the face of it, they are very. Like the collaboration with Lights have had that the first instance of like a post rock feel uh, into the album, and like the big uh, that wall of sound that kept backed up what was like okay, very normal metalcore, but the way he blended the symphonic, the electrics in with that sound made it just like an absolute triumph. And you like I think one of my favourite songs on it is Don't Go, which is completely against the grain for everything else. And it's a very eclectic, very 
laid back like post rock song with lights and he just um emits this like scream going throughout it and it's such a emotional song from a band that like i said pretty much wrote um wrote off and didn't want to be good and then you got fox and the wolves which is fucking brilliant and with that obviously that made a lot of people more interested in what came next would they be going more like this metalcore route what would they be expanding that um those experiments out more and yeah there was like lots of talk of them in between there's a hell and sent paternal about where bring me stood now would they be the future british metal would they be future download headliners that only like exacerbated when sent paternal came out another fucking incredible album and it put in more of those electronic elements in not to the point where i'd say it's electronic core because that's a time of music we want to leave behind because none of that was good and yeah you could start to feel like as a band they were not only maturing as well as they grew up they were putting that into their sound and then that's the spirit came out which sort of just shit on everything they'd worked on up until that point and i won't lie that's the spirit is not a good album for me it got so much critical response but this after years of various people in the like metal community backing them a lot of what they were saying around this time was basically that they didn't care about the metalcore roots that they had and they wanted to go for much more easy rock kind of sound and whilst it not, might not be good for metal purists, it's fucking done them wonders because, like I said, everyone knows who Bring Horizon are now. They were on some breakfast TV show the other day. That was weird to see, actually. Um, they In that one album, they had gone from the most exciting thing in metal to now they were the most exciting thing in pop. And that's why I was like, kind of, like you, you have to include them in that because... A completely new crowd was now really backing this band. And it's quite annoying that on this album, the most heaviest song, um, so Happy Song, Throne, Avalanche, they still sit fairly pretty on BBC Radio 1. And from what I've heard of Amo so far, where they've just been around the corner, I think it's 28th it comes out. So as I'm recording this, just under two weeks. Based on what they've released for that, even with Danny Filth in the song, they've completely moved markets. And yeah, although it might not be for me, they are definitely a band who've moved from that metal sound into a more pop-centric world, I guess. And so for my final answer or final suggestion for the question of um, metal into pop, I guess the wild card you could say. Or at least I think it was wild card the more I researched it. I went with Linkin Park. Because as I was researching it and as I was finding out how like the responses between each album, it kind of felt like critics and fans were putting Linkin Park in a damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of situation. Where whatever they did, a large group of people would really strongly oppose it. Whether it was pop-centric um, fans who grew up thinking 
that Linkin Park was theirs because they grew up with Hybrid Theory, or it was a metal purist who thought, no, Hybrid Theory is a metal album, Linkin Park's metal, you should be a rock band. Excuse me. Um, so yeah, so like I said, well, I say we think we've done for Bring Me and Panic, we'll go with debut album, Hybrid Theory. There, everything that has been said about this album has been said. Like, nothing I say can add to this album, um, or its legend, or its just stature in the world of music. It was the gateway album for so many. It acted as one of the few, well, one of the many gateway albums for me as well to get into alternative music. And quite rightly, it was a soundtrack to a lot of people's childhoods. Childhoods. And somehow, even though it had songs as heavy as crawling and points of authority with Chester screams and just sounded like an absolute demon it got so much mainstream attention and so much traction and yeah it, it's become synonymous with the 2000s and the new metal movement quite rightly so and so from there they ended up moving on to Meteora which I think is a completely underrated sequel I fucking adore Meteora um, I actually prefer it to Hybrid Theory to me it was such a natural progression of sound because they were taking a lot of the angsty new metal stuff from Hybrid Theory and giving it a more collected sound I guess you could say it wasn't just so much like all screaming you had full quite dynamic songs and quite impactful songs it felt like they had that same ferocity, but they, like as a band, they learned from touring, from the music industry, and most of all from each other. And so you can go from things like the heavy, the, like the heavy end of things like "Don't Stay" or "Hit the Floor," and then you can move on to like a lot more easygoing, a lot more alt rock kind of things like "Breaking the Habit" and or or "Numb," and it was. Like the heaviness was still there, but the alt rock was starting to like seep through a bit and like really start to affect their sound. And yeah, like I said, I prefer it to Hybrid Theory. After a bit of a break where um, Shinoda formed Fort Minor, Chester formed Dead by Sunrise, Linkin Park came back and they released Minutes to Midnight, which was the first album where the alternative rock took center stage. And looking back on it, to me, it's the album where the emo kids that grew up listening to Hyper Theory or Meteora, they've now grown up along with the sound of Linkin Park to now this is more likely what people are going to listen to nowadays. And it was the Linkin Park version of the alt-rock, alt-metal boom, like mild boom, wasn't quite as big as it was before, but the boom that was happening in the mid-2000s. And it still did very well. It still plays both markets, like the more pop, the more rock. Um, I really enjoyed this album, like I was saying earlier. Um, Given Up is one of my more favourite songs in this album, as is No More Sorrow, that album, that song, sorry. Really heavy compared to the rest of the stuff on this, on this album. You get, need to remember the difference between a song and an album. Moving on to, well, after that, they had album four, which was A Thousand Suns. This was where they really started to experiment with their sound. 
you've got to open with well the lead single sorry was the catalyst which was this big ambient electro pop song which probably at the time pissed off everyone i remember being like quite annoyed by it because it's like this isn't my lincoln park because that's what i sounded like in 2010 and like the follow-up to that was a really spacey rap rock song called waiting for the end and yeah it was just completely different to all three previous albums but it was very indicative of the times with that really popular rap pop thing happening at the time which was a bad time such a bad time for music um so you had like kesha rihanna black eyed peas black eyed fucking peas for god's sakes uh but it split the diehard fans but they gained new contemporary fans whilst tapping into what was popular at the time it's easy to see at that point why <coughs> excuse me they might be seen as sellouts because they were putting a Linkin Park spin on what was popular at the time and for many years this is what my kind of issue with Linkin Park was in that they were kind of bouncing between what was popular or what music trends were happening at the time because then you go into the next album which was Living Things and Living Things is where they say they more they they found their sound more um it blended their rock moments from minutes to midnight and the more electro bits from a thousand suns and yeah this is what they said they were comfortable with but looking back it's weird that they say that because then you go into the hunting party which was a return to their more metal roots it's a lot more indicative of what i think more people were expecting to come after meteora like they had um darren from system of a down in there they had Paige hamilton from helmet they had tom morella from rage against the machine they had all those guys guest on the album and it's like i went back to this album at the time i thought it was very meh i went back to this album to research this it's a really fucking good album it's really fun uh, there's sometimes where like throughout the song when they put the rap part in it just feels a little bit it shouldn't be there or like it doesn't need to be there but overall especially the song uh the lead single guilty all the same that's a really fucking fun song and then they went from that so they've gone from like a new metal a more um easier to consume new metal to an alternative rock to like an experimental pop rock to this like uh, i get moved on again to like this um electro rap rock sort of thing and now they're back to like a more metally sound and then they go to what ended up being well at the moment the most recent album one more light which is a full-on electro pop album which again it's very similar to the like ambient electro pop that was happening over the past few years in like the more mainstream stuff is completely at the end of the scale and it is a lot more full-on pop now and this was the moment where they got absolutely battered by claims they were selling out to the point where shinoda and bennington were lashing back out at fans 
and it became quite an ugly scene to see. And it's difficult because with everything that's happened since, it was a case of, like like I said before, Damage You, Damage Though, they did the metal album and it didn't really get the response. So now they're doing the pop album that was hopping at the time. And everyone's still bitching and moaning. And it features some fairly up there collaborations as well. So you had um, Stormzy, Kiara, and Pusha T guests in the album and collaborate with them. And I, again, I, I will be, I'll happily admit, I'll, I was one of those people who said they were sellout and they did pander to the trends. Because they did, they did bounce from genre to genre, as I just went through. But I think now I understand more why they did it, and that's because they were doing it from the start. Like you look at an album like Hybrid Theory or Meteor, and it, the whole new metal thing was blending groove metal with um, rap and hip hop, and just like a gener uh, general hard rock vibe over the top of everything to make it more accessible to everyone and they went from that they were on their first album they were invited to do the collision course ep with jay-z like not who can say that like after one album you're now working with one of the biggest artists in hip-hop to make one of the like one of the best rap rock collaborations there are and there are a surprising amount of them when you think about it and like an album like Hunting Party, I don't really see as so much. It's I think it's, the Hunting Party is where is the one of the few albums where you can say they had no part of being part of a trend. That was their want to be. I think that was more Shinoda written album than it was Chester. Chester, I think, always wants to go the more slow and eclectic kind of music because he hated screaming, where Shinoda wanted to be the more like fast paced, quite aggressive rock band. Which is weird considering his latest solo EPs, but he is—he's a man in mourning, so you can give him a bit of slack. Um, but with every single album, and even if it were, if you do subscribe to the idea that they did bounce from trend to trend to trend, you always knew it was Linkin Park, whether it was Chester or the way the music click came together or the trade-off between him and Shinoda. You always knew it was Linkin Park, and I think that's what's quite important, and that's why. I saw that had them as a wild card because from the diehard metal fans to the more diehard commercial um, commercial sound fans, you put on any Linkin Park song, there's a good chance that they will know, even if they don't know the song, they will recognize Chester or they'll recognize Shinoda. So that's why I think they sort of belong in this company with Bring Me In Panic. Because I think you it's you'll be hard pressed to find anyone who doesn't know who Linkin Park are. And with everything that's happened with Chester, I'll be interested to see if they do carry on. I know I spoke about them a few weeks back. I think their guitarist has said about that he's up for still working with the guys, but that is a decision for them to make and not for me. A few shoutouts I had for other contenders for this so i was looking at biffy clyro they've always maintained like an experimental alt rock sound they just change the experiments to be a bit more 
whacking out there to a much more like had you look at a song like Mountains, they've got huge fucking symphonic backing to it. Uh Paramore again, they went from that quite clean cut emo pop punk sound to now they are this like experimental pop rock outfit. Which I think like their last album after laughter, although it wasn't for me, a lot of people did really get on board with that album and although I didn't like it as a whole there are certain songs on that album which are fucking catchy as shit. I think the next album after After Laughter will be that would have been the album which would have got them into this list with the rest of them because I think that's when they're going to be a full on poppy rock sort of album, a uh, poppy rock sort of band sorry um, I, went, I found three guys who I thought would be quite good for this but they more went from heavy bands into more commercial solo projects so you got a man like dallas green he was one of the vocalists in alexis on fire he has now got his project called city in color which are very very popular um frank turner obviously everyone knows his solo project that he does now like folk i refuse to call it punk but that's no that new folk pop thing he's got going on he came from a million dead which were an out and out hardcore band and you've got Sonny Moore, who was the lead singer, lead singer from like post-hardcore metalcore act thing, from first to last. Of course, he ended up becoming Skrillex. They grew up so fast, and I think he's back in from first to last. Actually, I think I read that they kicked out the guy from Periphery, and now it's back to being a Skrillex-fronted post-hardcore band, which is fun. And the one that was outside the world of rock and metal that I found. Everyone, I think, by now knows example. He does house music for Magalove nightclubs now. At least what it sounds like to me. His first album is a full-on hip-hop record. Like, and I, it is so good. Find that album. What's it called again? Um, like I said, every time that, mo- that mic goes live, I cannot remember anything. Debut album was called What We Made. Came out in 2007. He looks like such a fucking melon on the album cover. It's like the member of Arctic Monkeys that wasn't allowed to stay. But it's shit tons of fun. And it's kind of a shame that he didn't stick with that. Because after that he went to Won't Go Quietly. And that had Kickstart. And the, which was the big summer song at the time. God, I remember that in my head. And yeah. So if you want uh, more... A very against the grain alternative album that became a very pop centric album. Example with what we made because I'm smart and I know these things off the top of my head all the time. Cool. If you have any suggestions for bands that went from the very alternative minded um, style of things into more commercialized, more pop welcome sound gives a shout. I'd be, I'd be interested to find out if I missed anyone. Well, not if I missed anyone. Who I missed. Cool. We'll move on now to the album reviews of the week. Uh, it's still being so very quiet on all fronts for new music. I promise you next week it'll be a whole collection of albums released this year because it is the current year. So we got uh, 
two albums that I completely missed from last year. One album which I thought came out this year. Well, one EP, sorry, that I thought came out this year. It didn't. And then the first album of 2019 to be reviewed. So, we will get started on the debut album from California, Power Violence Mob. Uh, they're called Plagues, and the album is called I, which is really fucking difficult to Google. Jesus fucking shit. It is their third release as a band, and it's their first release of any kind since 2013's Perfect Stage EP. Uh, okay, it is. It's advertised as an album. I keep saying, call it an LP, and all the reviews, like, the one review site I found, call it an EP as well, an album as well, but... This thing is over and done and spits you back out in under 20 minutes. And at this point, what do you say about a hardcore album that isn't super cliche? Um, it is fast. It is brutal as shit. It is so aggressive. Um, the opener, A Step in the Wrong Direction, is an absolute dream if you are a fan of DB hardcore. Uh, Appended straddles that like grindcore line. But before you can like even figure out what's happening, it is over and done. It is just gone. It's four, um, 47, 47 seconds long, which I know for a grindcore song, it's basically prog, but it is just incredible. Um, the verse leading up to the breakdown in 19 makes you want to headbutt every living organism around you. Which, I mean, I'm into that. And 208150, which is, it probably has some meaning for something. I'm not from California or from the Americas. I don't know what that means. Um, or if it's just an in-joke. But it just explodes into a white noise of cymbal crashes. And it ends up turning into, like, the as brutal as the first half of that song is. And when I say half, it is, again, a one minute six long song. For the first, like, 30, 40 seconds... It is just a wall of cymbal crashes. And then it gets into, it starts a prelude to like the slow sludge metal song in Social Insomnia. Which, even for a song that's like 20 minutes long, and a lot of hardcore bands like to put in that slow paced sludgy song. It's fucking incredible they managed to fit one in in sub 20 minutes. Um, and the final song, Unbalancing the Negative Space, it sounds like if... Jacob Bannon fronted Cancer Bands. Cancer Bands? Can Although Cancer Bands would be a fucking great TV show. It is... The, musically, it's a lot, it sounds a lot higher end, which makes me think of more like party hardcore like Cancer Bands, but the lead singer is just fucking brutal in a Jacob Bannon from Converge kind of way. And yeah, I feel kind of bad the fact that I gave more detail and more time to... The gem last week which admittedly is eight minutes long but like i said this is over and done in sub 20 minutes it's somehow made up of 10 songs but yeah if you are a fan of that hardcore that brutal hardcore sound because i i would go as far as to say this is power violence so if you are a fan of nails if you're a fan of enabler or even converge i think plagues with their debut album i would be the next thing you should listen to Moving on then to album number two of American rap core revivalist, Hyro the Hero. Uh, it's called Flag Channel. I think it's his first release being called The Hero, whereas before he was Da Hero, because puberty hits us all in various different ways. And it's the follow-up to 2011's 
birth, school, work, death, which, as cliche as it's called, was an absolute fucking brilliant album. I really, really enjoyed um, Death Debut. Came on the back of, I think, two or three mixtapes where he was just like bouncing around sounds. Um, the actual debut, it blended hip hop and rock so smoothly and so well to the point where it actually made the genres complement each other and just not sound like a bad mashup that you hear on YouTube. Um, because you've forever got like metal versions of rock of rap songs and it's just they're awful. They're so bad. They are awful. Hire the Hero on Breath School with Death didn't do that. He was very, very intelligent and it kind of was about to start something for him. So not long after this, after that album, he was on a track with The Blackout, which, despite opinion, at the time were kind of popular. And yeah, he got a lot of coverage at the time and a lot of people were... There was a lot of like Rage Against the Machine comparisons, but they are... They were a lot few and far between compared to this, let me say. Uh, it's... So... This album, Flag Channel, it starts with Bullet, which is it start. It, it's a good opener for the album. It's a lot darker and probably a lot heavier than anything on the previous album. And it's got. It even includes that really catchy chorus that made the debut so good because it was just, it was full of them on there. But the whole album is way too Rage Against, Rage Against Machine worship. Like, the song We Ain't Afraid just completely rips off Bomb Track. Um, Let the Snake Show is even worse. For it. I couldn't pinpoint a single song, but if you just took the vocals out, you'd think that was just a B-side a B to a Rage song. It just... Um, it just lacked so much originality. You got... On the first album, you had Ghetto Ambiance, which had, like, a massive influx of, like, pure punk rock in there. With the hip hop to the point where, although rap core is rap, um, hip hop and rap with hardcore, the way that it sort of blends together, you wouldn't say it's weird to say you wouldn't put it as a rap rock as a rap core song. It was just punk music. It sounded more punk than anything else, and that was even more on Section Eight, which I think was probably more arching towards like hardcore at times. And it just made that debut so interesting and so full of energy and just full of clever ideas. Whereas this just doesn't have that. It's just lacking a lot. It feels like like even they got in Ash from New Year's Day. She does her best to try and revive Killers Are Coming. And for me, it just doesn't do enough. I'm not, I feel bad, but I'm not the biggest fan of her voice. I've tried to listen to New Year's Day a hundred times. Not my thang. Um, the whole, whole album feels rushed, which is weird considering it's been seven years. Well, it had been seven years from the last one. And there were a few times over the years where I went looking for what he was up to at the time. And some devil demos had been like sprinkled around. I don't know if they were like SoundCloud ideas he'd put out or someone got hold of some tapes or whatever. But there was a collection of them called Return, which overall is just... a fun little mixtape sign of thing there's a standalone song called black james bond which is it had a lot more hip-hop stuff in there but it still sounds infinitely better than 
a lot of what's on Flag Channel, it feels like more time and more effort has gone into the offcuts from the past few years than have been this actual album. Like from the sound of and from from the artwork, my fucking god, I thought it was some kind of demo or the nineties had leaked. It's just Yeah, like I said, it it feels more like that YouTuber thing I was going on about earlier where it's like they make a rock cover a hip hop song and it's literally just them playing the guitar of the song just a little bit louder. It feels like that. It's very, very bland. Uh, the high points are you've got Bullet, Close Casket is fairly good. Uh, Never Back Down has got this weird, like, Miles Kennedy esque, like, vocal thing in it. I spent ages trying to figure out who it was. It's not Miles, but fuck it all if it doesn't sound like him. Overall, not great for me, but if you are a fan of Rage Against the Machine, you'll fucking adore this. Um, also, Stray, Stray from the Path, and I think I can got a lot of comparisons to the old Transplants album as well. It's not quite as punk as that. This is, I think this is say, well, I have to say this is more heavy. But yeah, if you like that sort of thing, this sort of rap rock kind of deal, Transplants, Straight from the Path, Rage Against the Machine, your next point of call is Flag Channel by Hiro the Hero. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, moving on, it's moving on to release number three. It is not an album. It is an EP. It is Gulch with... I don't know why I struggle to say that. Actually, it's just one word. It is Gulch with Burning Desire to Draw Last Breath, which is cheerful. And it's the first EP from another California hardcore mob. And I think the only thing they released previous to this was a three-track demo. So I was really high on the like before when I was reviewing plays. I don't really feel like I gave enough justice, um, and that was because up until I listened to Gulch, I was super high on that plays album. And don't get me wrong, it is really really good. But then I heard this, and holy shit, this is fucking unreal. Uh, it starts off with this really isolated uh, drum beat with just like dark noise in the background. That's your opening track. Just this like. It almost feels like you're in some kind of electro jungle and you're about to get eaten by cannibals. It is just this very dark, very small wall of noise and then it just erupts into flesh pursuit. And I can't tell if it's a death metal inspired or death metal influenced hardcore song or if it's a hardcore influenced death metal song. It is just a complete destruction of sound. Um... This, the whole album is bathed in these really bouncy death and roll tra um, riffs. Um, they're so prominent on the title track. And they draw you in by being so fucking catchy. But at any moment you are fully prepared to dick kick your fucking face off. I don't know how one would do that. But that's what you feel like. That's what I felt like. And they've got... They get more towards the death metal side of things with EPTS. Because, um, like I said, it's hard to pinpoint. It's a full-on hardcore album. But there's so much, like, punk and, like, death stuff. Death metal stuff in there. To the point where EPTS kind of sounds like it's quite dark throny, 
which I know are a band who like to experiment with their sounds. They've gone from death metal to black metal to crust to like a weird necro trad metal sound. They're a whole smorgasbord thing. But I picked up a lot of Dark Throne vibes on this. Um, the opening solo of the final track, uh, Gruel for the Beast. The pitch dies in that. are fucking horrifying. And then it just explodes into this like extreme punk juggernaut again. And you're just left there as like a shadow from an atomic bomb going off. Um, the end of that song and thus the whole EP is this really low end, dirty rolling riff. And it's quite simple. It's just like like slow bits and then it's like double kick bass with the riff just like overlapping it. It's all simple stuff, but the way they do it is so fucking brutal and like evil. And this came, this came out um, last year. So this was May 23rd, 2018. I've only just found that. I'm fucking gutted because if I had heard this last year, this would have gone straight to number one as EP of the year. Like... To the point where I'm kind of annoyed I can't even try and get it for this year as a re-release. It is just incredible. If you like the very, very brutal side of punk, so think Black Breath, Angst, or even um, Dark Throne, owe it to yourself to find uh, Burning Desire to Draw Last Breath. This is the e debut EP from Gulch, and it will, like I as previously stated, dick kick your fucking face off. And now, oh my fucking god, I forgot about this. So, moving on to the last album of this week. And it is album number 10. It's incredible they've got this far. But it is album number 10 from Papa Roach. It's called Who Do You Trust? At this point, I can't even say what kind of music they play. Because they do whatever they fucking well want. And quite rightly deserve so. Um, I think by now everyone knows a Papa Roach song. If you are... Like more first half of their career where they were like a new metal kind of band. So you had like Last Resort between Angels and Insects time and time again. Or you had that hard rock middle which was Scars, uh, Hollywood Whore or Lifeline. I feel like everyone now knows Papa Roach. They were one of the survivors of that new metal um, wave in the early 2000s, late 90s. All up there with Korn, Deftone, System, etc. Um, so they had like the so far, like a three-part career, new metal into hard rock, into now they're kind of rejuvenating that um, new metal rap rock sound, and it began with 2012's The Connection. They started bringing back their rap sound with more electronics, continued into uh, Fear, and then subsequently 2017's Crooked Teeth, which was really really fun actually. Went back and listened to it for this. Top quality stuff. And then now you're at Who Do You Trust? Which is just fucking insane. From top to bottom. It is just a whirlwind of sound and influences. And it kind of sounds like this. But it's not. So it opens with a song called The Ending. Which is very just like. Meh, you fooled you. Um, it is cut from the same cloth as Born for Greatness from Crooked Teeth. It is the, like, that predominantly electro hip hop sound. With like a hard rock underbelly. Which is what Crooked Teeth, a lot of that, made. And then the next song is called Renegade Music. Which is kind of like 
compared to the rest of the album, this is quite a dull song, to be honest, but I can't take it seriously anymore. Um, it feels like an uprising song because it's like big. Um, now I've got my head is born for greatness. It's like a, a big uprising song, big chant song, and I just can't take it seriously because to me, in my head, it is. It's not saying stand up, this is renegade music. It's stand up, this is really good music. And that's all I can hear. It's just him saying, shut up, this is, this is really good. My name's Jacoby. Jacoby? Jacoby? Jacoby. I think it's Jacoby. And it's just, I can't take, oh, I can't do it. The rest of the song is this big gang shout chorus thing. And then you get to that line, and I was like, nope, I can't do it. But is that the weirdest part of the album? No, it fucking well isn't. That might be on Not The Only One. Which is this really upbeat folk song that just breaks into this um, like classic 70s rock riff with a pitch shifted vocal line on the chorus. And like it is just. I'm just trying to think of the lyric now. I know the bad times. No, the good times don't come easy. No, bad times don't come easy, but they never last long. Something like that. And, yeah, it's like a really uplifting acoustic guitar performance. And then you've got this, which, like I said, classic rock with some pitch shifting in there. But is that the weirdest part of this album? I don't think so. That might be in Elevate, which... Just as a whole, it sounds like the best song Train have written since Mermaid from California 37. It is just like a really upbeat, again, electro pop rock kind of song. But is that the weirdest part? I've got, I promise I won't do this anymore. That's not the weirdest one. It is. It might be Come Around, which sounds like Opium or OPM. If you don't know, if you don't remember who OPM are, do you remember the song Heaven is a Halfpipe? It sounds like Heaven Heaven is a Halfpipe 2.0. Which, you might be thinking, sure, that might be the weirdest part of this album. It's fucking not. The weirdest, like, it might be um, Feel Like Home, which is a very uncomfortably deep, bowling for soup sounding song. Like, the way the actual song comes out, like I said, it's very bowling for soup. But the lyrics are, like, they're, I've got some here. So you've got... We used to say we'd never change. Now we're trying not to show our age. You've got... I keep looking in the rearview mirror, mirror, even though I wasn't happy here. And then the chorus is, oh, I hate this feeling, you don't feel like home. Which... Oh, man, that's deep. It cuts close. Like, I came for a good time, Jacoby. And you're making me feel things. And it might just be me, like, looking too much into it. But I just... I don't like it. That, well, I like the song. I don't like what it's saying to me. And I, I don't want it to be okay. I want everything to be okay. But it's just not making me feel like everything is. But dare I say, that's not the weirdest part of this album. I think comfortably for me, the actual weirdest part of this album is a song called I Suffer Well. Which is a 1 hit 21, out and out, straight up, hardcore punk rock song. To the point where I have, every time I've listened to it, I have gone on my phone or gone on my computer or something and tried to figure out if it is a cover of some kind. 
from like a 80s hardcore band like Bad Brains or um, I was going to say Husker Du but they weren't Husker Du yeah they were Husker at that point or like uh, Bad Religion or just someone a Dead Kennedy song it's not it is just a random hardcore song that Papa Roach have thrown in there and it's fucking mental this whole album from start to finish is just completely and utterly bonkers and I I didn't put it in on purpose based on what I was saying earlier about the, the question like which bands transitioned I think I like it's my own fault that I like missed out or didn't even consider Papa Roach because they had the they're in a similar sort of vein as Linkin Park they got made very very big based on the fact they were part of that new male movement in the early 2000s and they expand their sound. So what Linkin Park did into Minister Midnight, uh, Papa Roach did into like Getting Away with Murder, Metamorphosis, and that was what they stuck at. They end up like around about that time they end up making what I consider is the best WWE Raw theme song of all time in To Be Loved. And now they're trying to like kind of bring back that old new metal rap rock sound and combine it with what's happening at the moment with that like ambient well not quite ambient's wrong word but more drawn out pop raps kind of thing similar to what Linkin Park were trying to do with um oh fuck I got it called already uh living things and then lesser so uh one one more light but then I don't really think I know anyone who, if you say to them, Papa Roach in like the 2010s, I don't think anyone, although Born for Greatness fits in that ilk, and there are other songs from that album, which I can't think of off the top of my head, that would fit in there. Like they had a song called Periscope with Skylark Grey. Like you'd think that that would be more inclined to what's happening at the moment. And you look at some of the songs on it, and you think, yeah, maybe. But. Nah, they haven't quite reached that spot yet. And then when you get an album like this, which literally, I, apart from black metal and death metal, I think this touched on every kind of genre you could ever possibly think of. And yet it is just, I can't get over that, that punk song. It is just, oh my lord. But I feel at this point you shouldn't, I don't need to say if you are a fan of this and try this. Uh, because it's Papa Roach, and I think everyone at this point knows who they are. And I'm just trying to think of someone who I can compare this specific album to. And the only thing I think of is... Um, oh, I keep wanting to say The Hunting Pie, but it's absolutely fucking not that. Thousand Sons. Like, a Thousand Sons era, like, pop rap inspired alternative rock from Linkin Park. If you really enjoyed that album... You'd probably go for this, and the only other album I can compare it to is Crooked Teeth. So, it, this is by far one of the most mental albums I've ever heard. It's a lot of fun. It won't be like an album that you contender by any stretch of imagination, but it is just, it's just fun. And Papa Roach is just a fun band now. I don't know if they want to be. But I went on their website the other day and it's got all of them in like the Hawaiian shirts and like that double negative, no, not double negative, double exposure 
um, group photo. And yeah, they are fully like going in with this new era of like pop rock, and I dig it. It's just, I'm sorry, sat down, but I feel like I need to sit down more after listening to this. Um, but yeah, that'll do it for this week. If you have any comments on anything, do let us know. If you have any more suggestions too, uh, which bands have transitioned from rock and metal into pop, well. Again, let us know. I'll be intrigued to find out what other people think. Uh, next week, it will be... It's open mic night next week. So I'll be announcing an album on Sunday. I'll do it. At least on Sunday. So you can see what you've got to look forward to next Wednesday. But until next Wednesday, I hope you all have a lovely weekend. Well, lovely week. And if you don't, I don't care. I'll just speak to you soon anyway. Goodbye. <laughs>